Good morning. Oh, I love that. Whoever said that really well. Uh, yeah, so uh, wonderful to be here with you this morning. We are gathered because uh, he is risen. Uh, Christ is risen and he has defeated death. And we have the opportunity uh, since Easter over these past several Sundays to reflect on what it means that we have a Jesus that brings life and resurrection to each of us. And we've been looking at different texts and stories where you see Jesus performing these miracles or his followers performing these miracles that just point us, give us a sort of a peek behind the curtain into this new reality that's promised to us through Christ. And so this morning, we're looking at some fun texts a little bit, or at least I think they're kind of fun. And and I have a little bit of a confession to make, one that you're probably well aware of. Um, I am... Um, a flawed, imperfect pastor. And let me tell you, I mean, maybe you've experienced this personally, and I apologize. And if you haven't, I'm preemptively apologizing. Um, But uh, let me tell you a little bit of a story that sort of explains why I'm probably a little bit deficient as a pastor in terms of my skill set, okay? At the seminary, it was my fourth year at seminary, and I had a class at 8 a.m. called Pastoral Theology. And uh, it was in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was during the winter quarter, so it was cool outside, and that means that the heat was pumping inside. And my desk in pastoral theology was right next to this radiator that just emitted massive amounts of comforting heat. And so I'd get up with my big cup of coffee, and I would sit down in that chair, and the professor would stand up, and not three minutes into talking, I would immediately fall asleep. I mean, it did not matter how hard I tried. I have no idea what that class was about. Um, I slept through almost every single class until one day during that beautiful nap, mid-morning nap, I'm asleep and all of a sudden I get startled awake by this loud sound and I see the professor looking at me and he says, Mr. Danner, <laughs> If you're not going to have the respect to stay awake in this class, then you need to leave. If you're not going to respect me enough to stay awake in this class, you need to leave. And I just, you know, when you first wake up, sometimes you don't really know what's going on. And so, like, I kind of knew where I was, and I knew who was talking to me, but I was like, what just happened? And because I guess I didn't respond quickly enough, he, he got visibly more upset. He said, you know, just get out, get out of my class. And so I gather my things together, and I walk out. And I'm freaking out, right? (laughs) Because I can tell you what, um, honestly, I went through elementary school, middle school, high school, and college, and now at the seminary of all places, I'm kicked out of class for the very first time in my life. (laughs) You know, pastors, or soon-to-be or would-be pastors, were supposed to be like, you know, good students and, and do our homework and be really... A seminary of all places, right? In a class called Pastoral Theology of All Places... I should be awake and attentive and ready to go. But guess what? Ah, sweet sleep. (laughs) It came calling every morning at the same time at around 8.03 a.m. You know, it's just funny about this. I mean, your, your body, I mean, who doesn't love sleep, right? How many of you just love to sleep? Oh, yeah, right? I I know y'all love to sleep because you weren't here at 7.45. (laughs) Because we do have a service then, which you're welcome to come to, right? But we do. We have a 7.45 a.m. service. Jim is here usually before me. I'm usually here at like 6.15, and he's here at, I don't know, 5.30. I don't know what time he gets here. But we love sleep. 
One of my favorite things to do, uh, even if I don't want to, my wife will attest to this, I'll try to stay awake some afternoons when I come home after church in the morning, but my body's like, I'm done. And I just fall asleep. Like to whatever sounds are going on. I just love it. There's something that feels good about it. And I know you love sleep too. In fact, many of you are unlike me in my pastoral theology class. I have seen people fall asleep just three minutes into my sermon before. (laughs) So I know we all love sleep. And it's interesting how Scripture sort of talks about sleep and how it identifies it because you see it show up in different themes, but it really is sort of a negative thing, not unlike what, ex- what I experienced in the seminary. Like, we're, we're supposed to stay awake, keep watch, pay attention, be ready. And in our Gospel lesson this morning, Jesus is leading his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to be betrayed. And right before they go, the disciples are boasting that they would never desert Jesus. Jesus, we're always going to be with you. We're going to be ready to go. Fight the good fight. Whatever we need to do, we would never betray you. Right? And so he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asks them to keep watch and to pray. And he goes off to pray by himself. And he comes back from praying and he sees them asleep. I mean, it is in the middle of the night, but he sees them sleeping after he comes back from praying, and he says, so could you not watch for me for one hour? Like, just one hour. Could you not handle this, basically? He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but indeed the flesh is weak. You see, even the disciples who just before, who are in the presence of Christ, who are saying, we're with you, we're with you, we're with you. Uh, Jesus says, okay, great, keep watch. Glad you're with me. And what do they do? There's a parallel story to this that I kind of see, and it's in Acts chapter 20. People, followers of Christ, they're coming together for worship, and Paul is, they're preaching. And believe me, I, my average sermon is about 12 minutes. I've timed this. Um, some days I actually hit 8. Some days I hit 18. But it's around 12, right? Paul is preaching for hours. <laughs> hours. And he's preaching so much that he preaches into the night. The text is they, they're lighting lamps because it's getting dark. And he just keeps yamming on and on and on. And there's this man named Eutychus who's sitting in the window seal and he's listening to this sermon, no doubt, just very interested. He probably really is wanting to hear what Paul is teaching and what Paul has to say. But as Paul continues to go hour after hour after hour, what happens to Eutychus? In the window three stories up, it's actually kind of tragic. He, he falls three stories to his death. And Paul comes to him and he's given life again. You see, Jesus uh, points out in his prayers when he's with the disciples and he, he comes back and he falls and he sees them falling asleep. He says to them, uh, you know, obviously the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is everything in the disciples. I believe the disciples had every intention of going and doing whatever Jesus called them to, following him wherever, wherever he was going to lead them to. He had, they had full and honest intentions. The spirit was willing, let's go. But guess what? The flesh was weak. 
Eutychus and all those gathered around hearing Paul. I mean, I'm sure Paul's, you know, 12-hour-long sermon was just enthralling. (laughs) They probably wanted to hear what he was teaching. They probably wanted to understand what was going on and what to learn. And they they were leaning in. But guess what? The, The spirit was willing, but the flesh is weak. And the truth is, the same is true for all of us. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is really weak. You know, and Scripture talks about this. It talks about this idea of sleeping and keeping watch in such a way that if you, you know, we're called to keep watch for Christ is going to return. We're called to be awake and aware because of all the false prophets that are entering into the world. And we need to be just alert and, and ready to go and faithful to follow. And guess what happens? So easily we just <sighs> fall asleep. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Like we, we want to. We really do. But it's almost like our bodies betray us. Like we can't do it. No amount of caffeine or monster energy drink or Bible study can always keep us going where Jesus leads. And the reason why this is is because everything in all of creation is twisted just enough. It's like this because of what happened back in Genesis. I mean, Adam and Eve decided to take for themselves what looked good. And so they traded the image of God that they had to try to become God. To know for themselves what is good and evil. To take what they thought they deserved. And when that happened, everything kind of got shook and twisted. And so what this means is despite our best intentions, despite everything you want to do, you're willing to do, your spirit is willing to lean into, it's not going to probably work. Because you see, you know, we're a very individualist society, like our culture is very much about just you yourself. And so you hear things like, you know, my faith is personal to me. It's about how I follow Jesus, my personal devotion, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to be faithful. It's all about me. And I tell you what, even if it were all about you, and it's not, but let's say you could be really good, do your devotions, be in prayer, love your neighbor, Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Let's say you could do that because you could will yourself to do that. You're still in a system that's broken that makes things really hard. And we've all experienced this. We all know this intuitively. I mean, think about, like, if you've ever had a job in a place of work. Like, you could have the the best mission statement and vision and direction and be clear on what everyone in the company is about, (laughs) And you can have well-qualified, hard-working people, and it can seem like all we got to do is just march forward and go, and guess what happens? People being people, things get twisted, and drama occurs, and things don't pan out right. I think about your, your own family. Like, no one gets married saying, yay, I hope I get divorced. No one has children saying, boy, I can't wait for my children to 
be disobedient, unfaithful, ungrateful, little angels. Right? We, we commit in a marriage because we're expecting something great to happen. We, we have children because we're hopeful that you know, they're going to be um, wonderful, loving people. And yet so much in life that we set out to do is out of our control. Like um, everything doesn't work how we imagine it would. Things aren't perfect. People disappoint us. Expectations aren't met. We fall asleep. Because, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so Jesus, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's, he seems a little frustrated with his disciples, and he, he comes and he falls them, sees them falling asleep, he wakes them up, he goes back and, pr- and prays. And when he prays, it says his prayer, he wants this cup to pass from him. He doesn't want to have to die if it, if it could be any other way. It's not like he's rushing to death. He's going faithfully. And so he, he prays that this cup pass from him, but ultimately he just says, I pray that God's will be done. And when he comes back, he sees the disciples asleep. He, uh, you know, goes back off and prays again. And he prays the same prayer, just God's will be done. God's will be done. God's will be done. And that's the prayer that we have too. It's that in the the mess of the world, um, we can't do what we need to do, but we continually pray even in the midst of us struggling against the flesh, the sleep, the lack of watchfulness, obedience, faithfulness, following Jesus as he called us. We realize we can't do it and we pray that God's will be done, God's will be done, God's will be done. We need him. And so just because we struggle, just because we fall asleep, it doesn't mean we just give up and take a nap. <laughs> no, forget it, I can't do it. No, it means we do. We, we try to bring the coffee, <laughs> so to speak. We try to stay awake, to see what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of people that we're called to serve and love. We, we look to Jesus and faithfully go, and, and when we fall asleep, when we're not attentive, when we miss something, God's will be done. God's will be done. God's will be done. And his will is for you to be with him. You know, as the disciples don't wake up and go to Jesus, Jesus has to come to them. Just like Jesus has to come to us. In every moment, in every step, he comes to us and invites us again and again and again to be awake, to watch, to be ready. And so at the end of this little section in the Gospel of Matthew, when he comes to them the third time, he says, take your rest later on because the hour is at hand. 
I'm about to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. And so then the voice of Christ to the disciples is the voice of Christ to us. He says, rise. Rise up. Wake up. Let's go. He wakes them up. He calls them to rise. And then he goes. Because his betrayer is at hand. Paul, after he is preaching, he goes down to Eutychus, poor Eutychus, and he says his life is still in him. And it says he, he's up and alive. They take him away alive. He is risen. And they have a little comfort in this reality, this truth. And the same thing happens to us day in and day out. Christ comes to us. The Spirit comes to us. It gives us life. We're called to rise. We're called to go. We're called to live. And so we live in the truth and faithfulness and love of Christ. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.